I want to share one more message with you tonight before we go. We'll begin our Bible study preaching in Acts chapter number 11. And we'll just turn to a couple places other than that this evening. But we'll start there in Acts chapter number 11. And uh, this is in the middle of the book of Acts and the church is is going wide open and God is using the disciples where once they had, uh, they had cowed down in fear around the crucifixion of Christ. The resurrected Christ has in, invigorated them with boldness and they've moved forward and God is doing a great work. And there are revivals starting up all over the place and God is doing a great work among His people. The Bible says in chapter number 11 of the book of Acts, verse number 22. Acts 11, verse 22. The Bible says, Then tidings of these things... There's a great revival going on. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And tonight I want to pay attention to this man Barnabas. Some of you may know this man Barnabas. Some of you may not. He's not a very prominent character in the New Testament, but his name and his influence shows up in several places and there's some wonderful truth that we can gain from this man Barnabas. We're going to talk about him tonight in, in depth, and I want to see a few things about him. If you keep your finger in Acts chapter number 11 and turn back with me just a few pages to Acts chapter number 4. The first time we meet Barnabas, we meet him in Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 36. The Bible says, Acts 4, 36, And Joses who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now let's meet Barnabas here in verse number 36. The Bible says, And Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas. Let me tell you something about Barnabas. Barnabas was not actually his real name. His real name was Joses. And his mom and daddy, when he was born, they looked that cute little boy in the eyes and said, we're going to call you Joses. But as Barnabas grew up and he got saved and God's moving and working among the church and the apostles and Barnabas is determined to do the work of the Lord, saved by grace. The apostles had been around Barnabas as he was serving in the church and doing God's work long enough where they said, we're not going to call you Joses anymore. We're going to give you a nickname. And the nickname that they gave him, the surname, a name that would describe an outstanding characteristic in his life, they said, we're going to call you Barnabas. And the Bible says that Barnabas was the son, which meant, being interpreted, the son of consolation. What was his nature? His nature was to console people. His nature was to comfort. His nature was to encourage and be a blessing. The name Barnabas literally means you're a blessing. They called Barnabas encourager. He was an encourager. Barnabas had served in the church around the apostles and his spirit 
among God's people was this man. Josephs, you're an encourager. So much so, we're just going to call you encourager from this point forward. We're going to call you Barnabas. We're going to call you Barnabas. Now, I don't know about you, but where I'm from, nicknames are quite prominent. How many of you have a nickname? How many of you are not willing to share your nickname? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> I see it. I'd like, I want to find that one out. That'll be interesting. Uh, you're not willing to share your nickname. You know, nicknames are interesting. And most of the time, a nickname describes an outstanding characteristic in your life. You can close your eyes and imagine the person I'm getting ready to describe to you. Uh, he was a man that, that grew up in the South. And some folks got to know him and they got real close to him and they decided they'd call him Nanner Nose. Now, I was preaching in Puerto Rico just a few weeks ago and I preached this message and... I had to ask the congregation, what, do you know what a nanner is? And they're like, how many of you know what a nanner is? I asked them, and, I, they, and I, said, I said, that's a real southern way to say banana. I said, how do you, now do you know, do you know what, a banana, what a nanner is? They're like, oh, oh, okay, I get it. So now can you picture what nanner nose looked like? He had a great big old schnoz on him. Big old nose. That was his, that was his, Nickname. There was a guy when I was growing up in town, he rode a Harley Davidson all around, and he was so big that you could hardly see the Harley as he went through town and, uh, on, his, on his motorcycle. You know what folks called him? And right to his face, too, and he, he answered to it. They called him Heavy. <laughs> I thought, that's perfect. That's perfect. I did see another, meet another guy one time that was great, big like that, and they called him Tiny. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but nicknames are names that represent a special characteristic. I have an aunt in Virginia. Her name is Mary Virginia Smith. Uh, if you go to town and say, do you know where Mary Virginia Smith lives? Everybody look at you cross-eyed. But if you say, do you know where Mutt lives? They're like, oh yeah, she lives right up there at the top of Kazee Lane. Her whole life she's been known as Mutt. And I won't, I'll never ask her exactly why. I'm afraid I'll find out, you know. Uh, but nicknames, you know what, you know nicknames. Well, I remember when I was in elementary school playing Little League Baseball, there was this kid on our baseball team, and the boy was always hungry, always talking about food. You took one good look at him, you did, the first thing you thought was that boy ain't hungry. You thought he probably doesn't need to eat so much. But he was all the time hungry, and his favorite food was biscuits. I mean, he was talking about biscuits all the time. And finally, I remember sitting in the dugout one day, and... Old Tony was his name. Tony was talking about eating biscuits and how much he wanted some biscuits. And my coach looked at him and he said, I tell you what, I'm not going to ever call you Tony again. From now on, you're biscuits. I'm calling you biscuits from this point forward. I want you to know something. It stuck. Did it ever stick? We were in elementary school playing Little League Baseball at the time. And Biscuits stuck. I mean, everybody called him Biscuits. And they've called him Biscuits from that point forward. I remember going, in, we're, being, we're in high school, Chelly High School. I remember announcements coming from the office. The secretary in the office would not page Tony Pauly to the office. She'd push the buttons and say, would Biscuits Pauly please report to the office? I'm not kidding. Everybody knew him as Biscuits. Uh, biscuits, it stuck. The name stuck. Now, in this passage of Scripture, 
Joses gets the name Barnabas, a nickname. His closest associates had the opportunity because of outstanding characteristics in his life to give him a name, a name that was honorable. Folks, I want you to know something. If I could be something to some of you, a Barnabas would be a good thing. If I could be something to you, faithful would be a good thing. If I could be something to you, loving, kind, godly, I'd like those things. But I'm afraid a lot of our relationships don't have that privilege. I'm afraid some of us, if our closest associates had the opportunity to be just completely frank, we have names like grouchy and grumpy. You'd be one of the seven dwarfs, you know what I mean? Unkind, full of fear, faithless. And when I study and look at the life of Barnabas, I want to be the kind of guy that has a testimony and a reputation that would warrant a surname, a surname that would please my Savior, a surname that would make my wife's life easier, a surname that would be a blessing to my children and the people I come in contact with, a surname a surname like Encourager. That was a Barnabas. May God help us to have that kind of goal, to have that kind of testimony that we are the kind of people who please the Lord with our lives. Barnabas was just that guy. Barnabas. First thing I want to talk to you tonight about is the fact that Barnabas was giving. We'll stay in Acts 4 for just a moment, then we're going back right back to Acts chapter number 11. I want you to see what Barnabas did. The Bible says about Barnabas in verse 37, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The first thing we see about Barnabas is that he has the name Barnabas, and then we see that he is investing in the work of the Lord. Now, Barnabas was willing to give. Now, he was a giving person. I'll have you know something. Giving does not only involve money, and we should be faithful to give, but this is not the point. Barnabas had something to offer the work of the Lord, and he gave of himself. He gave of what he had, his possessions, but he also gave of himself. Turn with me to our text, Acts chapter number 11, verse 21, verse 22. God's doing a great work with a group of Gentiles. It's really one of the first times God's moving among the Gentiles, and the Bible says in verse 22 that tidings of these things, Acts chapter number 11, came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came. Oh, you know what Barnabas did. Barnabas had a piece of land, that's true. And he gave of what God had given him. But Barnabas had a life. And he had breath and he had strength and he had a little bit of energy. And what God had given Barnabas, Barnabas was willing to share with the work of Christ. He was a giving person. You see, God expects us to give of ourselves to His work. What have you found to get busy about in God's work? Oh, I'm thankful for folks who get busy about God's work. There are two types of Christians you find in churches, thermometers and thermostats. Do you know the difference? A thermometer sits on the wall and tells you what the temperature is. A thermometer says, 
it sure is hot in here. A thermometer says, it's always so cold. Why, I bet they're hanging meat. One time I had a group of people complain about the temperature in the auditorium at Boiling Spring. I didn't know what to do, but God had uh, let me hear somebody who dealt with it right before. Everybody's, I had, I had, in one day, I was just, man, I was aggravated. I had, in one day, I had 10 people tell me they're too hot and 10 people tell me it's too cold. And I said, I got up before the church. I was being a smart aleck. I probably need to confess that. But I got up before the church and I said, folks, we're really trying hard to work out this deep, this, it, this, situation with the thermostat and uh, I just want to know if, if you're here today and you're hot would you raise your hand and there was 10 people all across the auditorium that raised their hand and they were too hot and I said okay thank you now if you're too cold would you raise your hand and there was 10 or 12 people all over the auditorium raised their hand and they were cold I said all right I got this figured out y'all switch and we'll see what we can do <laughs> and I think folks began to get the idea but there are thermometers uh, the thermometer tells you the temperature. It tells you what's wrong. But there are also thermostats. A thermostat not only knows the temperature, but it acts and reacts and works to make the situation better. And you know what kind of Christians make up a Barnabas? The kind of Christians who see a need and consider that assignment from God instead of seeing a need and finding it an opportunity to complain and gripe because somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do. I'll tell you what kind of Christian Barnabas was and what kind of Christian a Barnabas Christian is. This is the kind of Christian who says, you know what? It's not above, it's not below me to serve my God. And if there's trash in the parking lot, I'll pick it up. If a toilet needs to be cleaned, I'll clean it. If something needs to be done, I'll do it. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. And that's the kind of Christian that was a Barnabas. He said, I'll give of what I have. He says, but I'll also give of myself. And I'll serve the Lord and I'll do God's work. And he went to a group of people that were ugly and stinky. He went to a group of people that the Jews, that the Jews of his day, who he was a Jew also, would have declared unclean and unworthy of his time. And Barnabas went there and he gave of his finances and his possessions, but he gave of himself. And I want you to know something. A Barnabas Christian is giving. Is giving. Oh, may God help us. For a number of years, I had, I've had Ambassador Baptist College students come up to our church to help. And they normally like to come visit around the beginning of the semester. I play a cruel trick on them. I, I play a cruel trick on them. It's a test. I, about the first time I see these Bible college students show up at our church at the beginning of the semester, when I see them, I introduce myself kindly. I say, are you from Ambassador? Yes, sir. I said, I said oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. Do you, do you, are you, do you want to serve the Lord with your life? Yes, sir. And, and normally I've got something in the back, some menial task in the back of my mind that needs to be accomplished around the church property. And I'll say something like, there was a pop bottle behind the fellowship hall, down there next to the trash dump, and I didn't have time to pick it up this morning. Do you mind to go get that and throw it in the trash for me? I'd be so grateful. And the, and the guy that goes, I'm thinking, I hope he never comes back. But the guy that says, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'd be glad to do that. The guy who says, I want to serve God with my life. That's the kid I want. That's the one that can be used by God. That's the person that has the spirit that can make a difference in my town, in my church. 
And I'll just tell you something, that's the kind of church member that'll change the spirit of a place like this, that'll encourage the pastor, that will see the lost come to faith in Christ. That's a Barnabas. You see, Barnabas was giving. Not only was he giving, but he was number two, caring. He was caring. In our text, Acts chapter number 11, verse number 22, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. This group of Gentiles had gotten saved. There was a revival breaking out in Cyprus. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse number 23, Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. You know what Barnabas was? He was caring. He cared. They said, we need, Barnabas, we need you to do something. We need you to go down there and meet this new group of people who've put their faith in Jesus. Oh, by the way, did I mention to you, they're Gentiles. To hear the word Gentile at this time, he would have actually feared for his life. To hear the word Gentile at this time, he would have actually feared that he might somehow defile himself as unclean being around these people. But he understood that Jesus had died on the cross for the world. And he said, if these people got saved, you know what? I'm going to go down there and I'm going to address them. I can imagine the first meeting of this church with Barnabas. They've gathered around, I can always, I can kind of picture, they're gathered around some type of a campfire scene and they're, they're seated all around. And when Barnabas walked up into their presence, maybe they're in a little hut like they're in Africa or something. I've got this, this, this mental picture of a very rustic situation. And these were people who didn't know God's Word as, as Jews. They didn't practice cleanliness. They didn't practice the law. They were heathen. And they had just recently put their faith and trust in Jesus. And when Barnabas went to their camp, they were frying bacon and he was appalled by that smell. Can you imagine? <laughs> he went into their camp, into their presence, and they weren't dressed the way Barnabas was used to people being dressed. And they didn't eat what Barnabas was used to people eating. And they didn't talk the way Barnes was used to people talking. And they didn't smell right. And they didn't look right. And they didn't act right. This was a group of brand new converts who didn't know God. But I want you to see what Barnabas saw. We can see them all sitting there. But the Bible gives us great clarity as to what Barnabas saw when he looked on this group of people for the first time, the Bible says in verse 23, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad. What did he see? Did he see, oh man, what a mess. This is a disaster. These people are awful. This stinks. There's no hope. <laughs> no that's not a Barnabas. Do you know what a Barnabas does? A Barnabas comes to a situation that seems impossible and remembers that Jesus is God and God is able to change and work and move and there is hope in Christ. When Barnabas saw this group of people that didn't dress right, smell right, act right, live right, he saw what God could do. And he saw the grace of God. 
I want you to know something. I'm thankful for Barnabas-type Christians in my life. You see, when I was a kid, my mom had been married three times. My dad had been married three times. And quite frankly, if you'd been in the town of Chilhowee when I was a young teenager, you'd have looked on my life and said, there's little hope for Cody Sturgill. I had some dear grandparents and some great opportunities, but you'd looked on my life and say, there's little hope for Cody Sturgill. But I'll have you know something. Chuck Harrell, the pastor at Chilhowee Baptist Church, he invited me to go to church camp with him when I was in seventh grade. And when preacher Chuck looked at me, he didn't see some boy with no hope. He looked and saw, just maybe God can do something with his life. It wasn't long after that that our church hired Fred Conley to be the youth pastor. And I'm so thankful that Fred didn't look at me and say, there's not much hope for him. I'm going to look at, I'm going to spend my time with somebody else. Uh-uh. Fred Conley was a Barnabas. And you know what he did? He invested in my life. He cared about me. And he saw what God could do. And I'm not much, but God is faithful. And God uses people like you in churches just like this to change the lives of boys and girls and young couples and old couples just alike. But we need a group of people who say, I'll be a Barnabas. And instead of whining and complaining about they smell bad or they act bad or they've embarrassed me, you see what God can do and what God can accomplish. And if you'll emphasize what God can do in the lives of these people, that God gives you the opportunity to minister as they visit your church, as you see them out and about, God will use you. And God will be glorified. You see, we need some Barnabases. Barnabas was giving. Barnabas was caring. You know what caring people do? They see what God can do, the grace of God, and then they bring a message. This is what caring people do. The Bible says in verse 23, when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. You know what a caring person does? Points people to Jesus. A caring, loving, godly person points people to Jesus. That's what Barnabas did. Barnabas was giving. Barnabas was caring. Finally, thirdly, Barnabas was Christ-like. Oh, let me back up just a minute. Let me tell you one more story about Barnabas and his caring. What man did God use to pen the majority of the New Testament? On the count of three, tell me his name. One, two, three. Paul. That's right. Now, Paul had a name that preceded Paul, and that name was Saul. That's right. And Saul was one bad dude. I'll just have you know. I think the Bible said that bad dude, right? I'm just kidding. He was one bad dude. Saul consented to the death of the first martyr, Stephen. Saul was a Jewish zealot who was determined to wipe the message of the gospel off the face of the earth, and he was willing to use force to do it. And Jesus saved his soul on the road to Damascus. 
It's not 58, by the way, or 91. On the road to Damascus. <laughs> You'll take a second. That's how you get to Damascus from southwest Virginia. He met Jesus. Jesus saved his soul. And Paul did what was right. After he got saved, the Bible says he essayed to join himself to the church. He went about to join himself to the church at Jerusalem. And I don't blame the church, but the church was scared of him. They're like, this is, this is Saul's evil trick. You don't know who God used? You don't know who God used to introduce Paul to the church so that he could become the Apostle Paul and do the work that the Apostle Paul did? That guy's name was Barnabas. That was him. Barnabas met Paul and heard his testimony. And Barnabas stood up to the church at Jerusalem and said, we need to let this man be part of our group. He's been saved by the grace of God. God has changed his life. That's a Barnabas. Man, I want to be a Barnabas. Barnabas is giving. Barnabas is caring. Number three, Barnabas is Christ-like. The Scripture says in verse 24, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. What kind of guy was Barnabas? He was Christ-like. The Bible says he was a good man. He was, he was lovable. He was leadable. He was a good man. He was humble. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. He was a godly man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, believing and trusting God. Do you know that some of our ridiculous actions and attitudes are the direct result of faithlessness. We get scared and we act out foolishly because we don't believe that God can do what He said He'll do. Barnabas wasn't like that. He was full of faith. He was full of faith. You know what the result of Barnabas was? Look what the Scripture says. And much people, verse 24, was added unto the Lord. Wow. If God could say of us anything, I'd like to hear God say, because I determined to be full of the Holy Ghost and live for Jesus, that much people was added to the Lord. Barnabas, he was an encourager. I told you part of the story a little while ago. I'll tell you the rest of it now. The day that Biscuits got his nickname. The other tubby kid on the team, me, <laughs> was sitting right beside of him. Biscuits right here. I'm right here. Our coach walks in the dugout. Biscuits is complaining because he's hungry. He wants some biscuits. And I'm just keeping my mouth shut. I don't want any part of this. My coach walks in the door and he looks at Biscuits. He says, I'm calling you Biscuits. I'm not ever going to call you Tony again. I'm calling you Biscuits. And he looked at me and he said, Sturgill, I'm calling you Gravy. <laughs> oh, I cringed. 
It made me want to throw up. I mean, I, I like biscuits and gravy, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to be called gravy. You know, if my coach walked in the dugout and said, Sturge, I'm calling you slugger, I'd be like, yes, sir. Sturge, I'm calling you the best player on the team. Yes, sir. Sturge, I'm calling you MVP. Yes, sir. I'm going to call you a go-getter. I'd be all right with that, too. When he walked in the dugout and said, I'm calling you gravy, I thought, Lord, please don't let me be known as gravy. On a very serious note, if the people you work with had the opportunity just to call you what they ought to, is your nickname something that pleased the Lord? Is it something that is going to be used of God to add much people to the Lord? Or is your testimony at work something that is a hindrance to the cause of Christ? If your family has the opportunity to give you a name that represents an outstanding characteristic of your life, Is that a name that brings glory to God? That gives peace to the hearts of your children and your family? Or is the testimony and a reputation that brings reproach to your dear Savior? You see, folks, we should have a concern about our testimony, not for the sake of our pride, but for the sake of our effectiveness, for what matters, and that is the cause of eternity. Old Joseph, they called him Barnabas because he was an encourager. Folks, I don't want to be called gravy. I don't want to be called grouchy, faithless, unkind, unfaithful. Barnabas sounds pretty good to me. And what we need in Kingsport, Tennessee, in Bible Baptist Church, we need a group of people who are determined to be a Barnabas. Because Barnabases are used by God to add much people to the Lord. Barnabas was an encourager. How about you?